Hello and welcome to Frameline. I'm Barbara Gosowski. I'm here today, as usual, with the best co-host in the world, Courtney Small. You're too kind. How are you today? I'm good. Really good. So Courtney and I uh, are going to launch into some of just a, a few of the films that are available right now or are about to be available. There are a lot of festivals happening in the fall, October and November are just crammed uh, with festivals. They've all gone digital, so it's really easy. Don't even have to leave your house. And yeah, so we're going to bring you some of the highlights. And Courtney's going to start us off, right, with a film at Planet in Focus. Yes, I saw one film that was playing at the Planet in Focus Film Festival virtually, and it was called Coral Ghost. And it was a film that looks at the coral reefs I guess, um, around the globe and how climate change has really impacted that. And once the coral reefs deteriorate, so too does all the life underwater that depends on it. So um, Coral Ghost was directed by Andrew Nisker and it follows this marine biologist, Dr. Thomas J. Garreau, who I guess his whole family, his whole family history comes from a long line of scientists and photographers so studying coral life is in his blood and he's literally dedicated most of his life to this mission to the point where it's kind of hindered his marriage and other aspects of his life uh, so a, a lot of the film talking about the Reese but specifically more about him and why he's so passionate and part of his job when he's going around, not only just kind of diving underwater, but he likes to go to communities and show photos of what the communities used to look like back when man and nature were coexisting in harmony. And he uses photography as a way to kind of get the, the locals to invest more into the reef. So it's an interesting film. I don't think it completely works. Um, I felt like there was, I was more fascinated when it was focusing on the reefs themselves and the underwater parts, because I felt that with um, Dr. Goro himself, there's a lot there to unpack, but I felt the film kind of tiptoes around a lot of the issues. Like, for example, he's, because he's so dedicated to his work, he's got archives and archives of stuff passed down from generations. And that's a whole story of just unpacking those photos and trying to put them in some type of order. That could be a tale. The, the, the stuff with the wife I thought was really fascinating because even she admits that she was second in that relationship and really? it, was, it was very hard and he kind of gives her like a throwaway line saying that yes I I've committed my life to my work you know at the I, not, not benefit but the at the expense at the expense yes that's where at the expense of his marriage and I felt like there's so much more to un unpack there as well. So <laughs> I, I, I felt like the, the film tries hard to talk about the Reese, but it doesn't show enough of the Reese for you to really be behind it. And then while you're interested in what's going on in Dr. Garo's life, it doesn't want to delve too deep because it also doesn't want to fracture the image of him as the, this man on a mission. So it's interesting. I, I just didn't win me over the way I was. Right. Yeah, that's interesting because, yeah, I mean, a lot of times films like that, they they do want to build up this sense like we're following a hero mm -hmm. because 
you know, bringing attention to the to any climate change problems, any any issues, right? We usually find those people heroic. They, they dedicate their lives, you know. But yeah, it's interesting how you brought up the fact that there's little hints of of him not being that heroic, but the film doesn't even succeed in making him that heroic. Yeah, I, I would say he's he's still presented in heroic. Like like what he's doing is very important for the climate. I just I I think heroes are often interesting when you humanize them, when you yeah. show they can be heroic despite their flaws. And I felt like this film, the flaws are kind of brushed under the rug when they really could have been explored more. Like you could, there's a way that you could tell this story, really kind of focus on the Reese and also focus on him as a man, you know, regardless of his eccentricities, whatnot, and still give like a well-rounded film. So I just felt like it, it felt a little short for me. Yeah, interesting. And you've seen some stuff as well, because I know we're we've been festival hopping. So you saw some stuff at the was it the Rendezvous with Madness film festival? Rendezvous with Madness. Okay, talk about heroes. I saw a true hero's tale. Um, it's a film called Judy versus Capitalism. Uh, it's it's a film by experimental filmmaker Mike Holboom, and. Uh, it, it's about Judy Rebick, Judy versus capitalism. Judy is Judy Rebick. Um, and she is, you know, um, in Canada, she's a very renowned, celebrated feminist and activist and, um, you know, has, a, has done a lot for women's rights. Um, and, you know, I think she's especially famous for her work with Dr. Henry Morgenthaler and, you know, and abortion clinics and then the pro-choice movement. So, you know, it was interesting. Of course, I was interested in seeing this film and being in the Rendezvous with Madness Festival. It's it's very curious, you know, um, to because usually the films that there's some mental health issue explored. And what we discover uh, when going through her life story is that she has, you know, so for all the public successes, she had severe uh, bouts of clinical depression. And then we learn that she is actually living with um, dissociative identity disorder, um, which I guess in old fashioned times would be like multiple personality, multiple personality disorder. Like that's how people might know it, but that's not, that's not the right term anymore because it's more complicated than that, right? Um, so we learn all this, and what I really appreciated about the film was that it's not a plain, simple, straightforward biography. Um, Judy Rabbit does all the narration, and, it, and she's incredible. Her, her narration is so honest, so she's just casual, you know? It, uh, it's, it's like she's just talking to you. She's talking to me, or she's talking to you, or, you know, and she, she's so perfectly relaxed about it. And and yet she, you know, talking about personal and, and public triumphs, but also difficulties. And, you know, it was, of course, living with this, this history with her mental health issues, that's really evident. Um, and the honesty, this is where, you know, the my hero worship ha has now grown from, is that not only was she this incredible and is still a, an incredible public figure, but now I know that she's so brave to come forward and she's so courageous in the way that she has uh, 
lived with and basically has succeeded in doing everything despite these mental health issues. So she's very much, you know, an inspiring figure. Um, And, you know, I said it was, you know, not a straightforward biography. And that's because, uh, you know, someone like Mike Holbom, experimental filmmakers don't make straightforward biographies, right? I mean, there's a lot of issues around how to present something. And, And that goes like all the way down to the quality or, or the, the, the various and very intrinsic elements of the image itself. So he shot a lot of stuff on Super 8 um, and that gives it a certain quality and he re-photographs some of the, the imagery so that it's all very expressionistic. So when she talks and you hear something, for example, very personal, the images allow you and encourage you. And in fact, in fact, they sort of support this more emotional and more empathetic kind of response. You know, it's, it's really, I found it quite extraordinary. Oh, that sounds very good. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, Judy versus capitalism. And I keeping on the, the theme of empathy and experiments. I saw one at rendezvous with Madness as well, and it was called the marriage project. And it's quite a fascinating film. It's a documentary that looks at this, um, like a psychiatric hospital in Tehran, where one of the lead doctors has proposed a particular social experiment that he would like to try, in which they would allow patients who live at this hospital to marry because a lot of the times most of the people that are at that hospital essentially live there until they die and he has identified that they you know despite their mental health issues they still have a need for love um, both emotionally and physically so he's proposing this in tehran which is very patriarchal very religious and then on top of that, you're dealing with patients who have mental illness. So it's it's a very fascinating look that shows you both sides of the event. Like you you follow some of the patients around, and there's one woman in particular who has been in love with this other guy for about 12 years, and she's waiting for the day that they can get married because they've decided that there will be, I think, 40 people in total. So she's pretty much confident that they will be one of the couples picked. And she almost has like a childlike innocence when she's around him and stuff. But you also have to realize that there's a lot of issues there. You know, they, the medication is keeping her at a, at a stable place and what happens when they're off the meds. And you, you meet another woman who is, in, I guess, in her 40s who wants to have a child. But there's that whole issue of while the doctors will be kind of facilitating this project and handling the meditation and facilitating arguments is childbearing on the table with this type of experiment. And then you also have a whole bunch of physicians that think the idea of this is atrocious and it's not their place and you need to have family consent and 
it's against people's religion. Like there's just a lot of layers to this film. And I thought it was a, a fascinating look at love and everyone right to have it, but then also who's, who has the right to choose. And, and then that particular situation, if, if they're picking the people who can participate and essentially kind of manufacturing the couples themselves, and, and by that, I mean, the doctors, is mm-hmm. it really love, you know, like you can, you can have, um, assigned marriages work, but in this particular format where everything is being governed and you're dealing with patients who have their own various issues, how is this going to work? So it's a fascinating film and it's one I have not been stopped thinking about for a while because you're kind of torn. You see both, both sides of the argument. Yeah. I mean, how much does it talk about the patient's rights? You know, a person may be taking medication, but if it stabilizes them, does the medical community respect the fact that that person can make decisions? You know, if they have, like, if they're suffering from psychosis, but the medication controls the psychosis, does that mean you you can, that you do have respect for that, for their judgment, right? If you yeah, gave them the right. medication, it worked. So, you know, so did it, how much did it focus it, on the patients? It, it, I think it gives the patients equal um, ground. And as I said, the, the main doctor that's proposing this, you hear a lot of his arguments. A lot of the other doctors who object, they try and pull, in some cases, they try and pull straw man arguments where the head doctor even challenges them and says, well, you know, you keep saying studies say, studies say this, show me these studies. And then they kind of, well, well, we don't have, you know, like they, they're trying to find every reason in the book to not do it but then as the film goes on you also start to question if it can work because you know there are patients who when they're off their meds are having problems and there's some people that have had so much trauma before they even got there that the idea of getting consent from their families isn't going to work because their families have essentially disowned them you know and out of spite, like there's one particular woman who suffered abuse at the hand of her, like physical abuse at the hand of her brothers. And now that her parents are in their seventies or whatnot, the brothers kind of are the ones saying, we're not gonna let our folks provide consent. We don't care, right? Like, so there's so many different layers that go on and it's kind of like a no-win situation for everyone involved. But yet, wow. but yet when it comes to love, love tends to break boundaries right and right right think yeah. outside the box so it's it's very fascinating film and it doesn't it doesn't provide any answers it just kind of presents the problem and then leaves the viewer to walk away and ponder that's amazing that sounds like an amazing film you know since we're festival hopping i know that you saw something at the toronto jewish film festival i did um Okay, so right now we're going to get off the, well, this is still a very serious topic, Um, but I found the film to be a little bit of a, it's so hopeful and joyful in so many ways that I felt like, yes, you know, there are serious issues happening. Um, The film uh, takes place, it's a documentary uh, about um, 
chefs in Israel. And it's, it's specifically about this food festival uh, that this woman uh, has created. And um, so, you know, there are a lot of issues about Israeli-Palestinian uh, relations, um, but the film has, the film comments about that in ways that are personal. You know, they're, they're using personal connections between people to, to you know, remind us that, that peace and understanding can happen. And if it can happen on smaller planes, you know, of existence, it can happen on bigger ones. Uh, so the film is called Breaking Bread. Um, it, it, it won an audience award at the Napa Valley Film Festival right, for favorite culinary cinema film. So there's no surprise there. Uh, it Interestingly, uh, this, it begins with a quote from Anthony Bourdain, uh, you know, the man who spent his career trying to bridge gaps between people, trying to foster a sense of understanding and, and respect uh, by going to different communities and sometimes by experiencing, uh, you know, communities at conflict coming together because they were coming together, you know, to feed him. So it's this this quote about, you know, food may not solve world peace, but it's a pretty good place to start. And uh, so this is the starting off point for this uh, this female chef, uh, doc, Dr. Naf Atamna Ismail. And she is the first Muslim Arab to win Israel's Master Chef competition. So you think, okay, so it starts off with this little little mini portrait of her. But what she does is then she explains about how she has created this um, food festival. And the point of the food, food festival is that Jewish and Arab chefs are going to be paired together and they're going to collaborate uh, on traditional dishes. And in fact, they're going to collaborate and bring their creative um, sparks together. They're going to work together to sort of have a transformation of these traditional dishes. And, and what's wonderful about the film is, you know, it just, it just lets this, the individuals talk. And the individuals, little, little mini portraits, and, and it's, it's a wonderful thing that this film does is it just sort of stays out of everybody's way and finds this way to quickly and succinctly focus on a, a person that, they're usually guys, so I'll say focus on you know this chef and let him speak. Let him speak about his family, what's important to him, why he named his restaurant, what he did, you know, all the personal things that matter to him. And then you meet. So if you start with a uh, an Arab chef, then you meet the Jewish chef he's going to be paired with during this competition, and you know uh, the the woman comes back in and says, so these two are going to do you know, a very, they're going to do their take on this dish. And, you know, and it's just, so it just goes like that. And, and it's a simple format, but it's because of this focus on individuals and because people are just fascinating and beautiful. And that's what this, this film just shows you. And that it, it's amazing that the way that the film through these portraits shows us the commonalities between people. And 
the things that bind everybody together, I, you, you know, certain things like your grandfather's influence, you know, or family ties and, and things that are important, like on a basic level to people in the film, individuals in the film are, are the very things that are basic. You pick a country, any country, pick a culture, any culture, and that exact same thing, you know, it's just you can extrapolate from that and it just it gave me the warm and fuzzies courtney what can i say no no that's that's good <laughs> and that's... i'm a foodie so i mean it's just gorgeous yeah, that's it's amazing that was gonna be my question do they do you see a lot of you know great food shots in there as well as there oh oh it's just it, the film they really know how to shoot they know how to shoot people they know how to shoot the food and because the chefs are operating, you know, at chef level, um, they're they're bringing you their best. And presentation is also a big part of it, you know. As with any sort of competition or festival, it's like so. The, the, and these just amazing variations, and and you learn a, a lot about the the history of the region as well, and and why why there's certain foods and, and the, the traditions that come from it. It's just, I could just talk about this one, you know, till the cows come home. It's beautiful. I love it. It's called Breaking Bread and it's at the Jewish, the Toronto Jewish Film Festival. Oh, that's, that sounds very good. Uh, I saw one at that same festival, similar lines. There was no, there was no food that I can remember in it, but it was talking about um, people coming together and, and shared experiences and, uh, so the, the title was called Shared Legacies, the African-American Jewish Civil Rights Alliance. And it's a film that looks at the African-American Jewish coalition that was formed, especially during the civil rights era. So they talk about, they use the example of the Edmunds Pettus Bridge in Selma, Alabama, uh, where Martin Luther King famously crossed with John Lewis and a whole bunch of activists and how there was rabbis and people from the Jewish community that also came together for that march. And the film shows how the experiences of African-Americans and the Jewish community aren't that different. Um, they've both experienced trauma. They both experienced slavery. You know, you had the Holocaust, the Jim Crow era, and just how all of these inherent experiences has allowed um, both sides to come together in unity, especially during the civil rights era. And so the film talks about how you had people like Rabbi um, Abraham Herschel, who was a close friend with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and how they did a lot of activism together. They understood each other, just, you know, and even though they had their differences, they still came together for the greater good. It, it looks at figures who were instrumental in um, the NAACP, you know, uh, for a long time, the NAACP had um, several Jewish people as a president, keeping it running and thriving, how they had various rabbis um, call their people in temple to action, especially with the bombing of the four little girls in Alabama and just how, you know, you had a black American troops helping to liberate the concentration camps. And there's just this interwoven history and how it was such a tight bond that we should be 
in these now modern divisive times, we'll be looking back to that as a roadmap of how to come together, because it also shows that after the death of um, Rabbi Herschel and Dr. King, there was a bit of a, a fraction. The, the coalition wasn't as talked about anymore. And oh. people started to kind of go into their own camps. And part of that was because outside influences. Um, they, they speak to one young woman who is Black and Jewish, and she was talking about how the Jewish community was kind of sold meritocracy, the, the idea that, oh, well, if they just work harder, they'll succeed. Although history has proven, especially when it comes to the Black community, Afro-American community in the States, no matter how hard they work, there are structures in place that kind of keep them behind and just you know, with the rise of like the Black Panther movement, some people found uh, the rhetoric too, I guess, too militant, too militant, too aggressive in their talk um, towards white people. And it made some of the Jewish people uncomfortable. Like there's just a lot of variations of that. But now in this era where, you know, the Trump era where anti-Semitism is on the rise, anti-Black racism is on the rise, this film is trying to say, we need to get back to where we were during the civil rights era and working together because when we work together, that's how things will succeed. And similar to the film that you were just talking about, you know, the, we're, we're not that different when it really boils down to a lot of the, the trauma that the Jewish people have experiences similar to the trauma that African-Americans have experienced. Not, one is not worse than the other. They're both equally painful and, you know, they, because of that, you understand the importance of humanity and helping each other. So it's an interesting film. It, it's told in a very straightforward way, but there's a lot of archival footage and there's a lot of great interviews. Like there's Harry Belafonte in there, members of uh, Dr. King's family. There's uh, archival footage of John Lewis. They have Rabbi Herschel's daughter coming in, talking about, you know, being a young girl and just seeing her father interact with, um, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. So there's just a lot of good um, stories in, in the film and good archival footage. But it is told in a rather straightforward way. But the, the message is what's really important. Yeah, it sounds like a really important film. So yeah. what, what's that one called again? That one's called Shared Legacies, the, the African-American Jewish Civil Rights Alliance. Um, so... While this film is, you know, very serious in tone, we both saw a film that's playing at Imaginative that looks at history, and I, I would dare say a more lighter tone. Oh, yes. <laughs> would, you, would you like to uh, talk about uh, Shadow of Dumont? Oh, Trevor Cameron. What a film he's made. It's chock full of things, isn't it? Shadow of Dumont. Yes. So it's... Uh, it's it's Trevor Cameron's journey across North America. He's trying to um, track down information and recreate the legacy of his great great uncle, who was Métis leader Gabriel Dumont. Uh, I really appreciated the the chance to learn more about Métis history. History, I think you know we need to to hear our stories over and over again, right? And hear different kinds of stories and hear different from different places and perspectives. So this is interesting, you know, because this is 
this is a family member that he's also, so he, this is a celebrated hit, uh, person, but also a family member. So the film proceeds like in this two-pronged approach, which is, you know, trying to, he, he does, so he takes a road trip. Let's, it's, it's hard to know where to, how to lay this one out because, okay, here, here's my next attempt at trying to lay this one out. This, this film has a variety of different film styles. Like it really plays with cinema language and uh, cinematic genre. In, in certain ways, it has like animation in it. Um, the animation is generally used to create sort of a sense of historical epic. Um, and that that actually is used in, in a couple of different ways. So, you know, he's really playing. Um, but it's also, you know, a documentary, but it's also a personal documentary, you know, a personal story. Uh, and um, it's a road movie. So what happens is that, you know, he sort of announces his project and he does have this sort of tongue-in-cheek way of talking about himself, right? He's, he's very much self-effacing. Um, and he's, he's having some fun with telling this story. And so he goes on this road trip to, to visit people that knew of him, either experts or family members. And so that's what I meant about the two-pronged approach. It's like he, he's going to, to historians, he's traveling to historians who know, who have certain pieces of the puzzle, but he's also talking to family members. So it's also very much about family dynamics and family stories that we tell, right? Stories that families tell with each other. And, you know, so if, if someone's giving him a little bit of information, that's like maybe a great aunt or somebody, it's like, it's always laced with a little bit of that family dynamic, like, oh, but she never liked him anyway, or, you know, something like that, which adds a little oomph to it. Um, for me, the film, it had a lot of stuff going on and it was like moving from thing to thing very quickly. So I appreciate this like broad spectrum that it created, but sometimes all the elements didn't quite work, but it was, I was still fast. I stayed with it. You know, I was still fascinated enough because I wanted to know, you know? Yeah. I, I completely uh, agree with you. It's, it's an entertaining film. It, provides a history that I didn't know and I, it was funny because I was watching it thinking how I never learned this stuff in history class and I know me too yeah and then about 20 minutes later into the film they say yeah this stuff is not taught in history and it's like oh okay yeah like it's just been completely wiped away and I'm, I'm glad that he was he was bringing our attention to this I, I agree that not every bit works like there's some parts that where it feels like it's a little it's riffing a little too much like I'm watching a a skit that's not quite well thought out just yet you know and I bang I, on you gotta yeah, bang on I don't yeah. mind the the humor aspect because he's he, he's his personality alone is it's very warm welcoming and you know when he tells a joke you, you feel it but then there was something like oh I I really didn't need this particular moment or I see what you're trying to go for to lighten the mood but it didn't quite work um, and it does cover a lot of ground I, I part of me would have liked to have seen more of the animated 
um, epic that he was talking about making because I thought the stuff was really fascinating. Um, I felt like some of the places he delves into could have probably been uh, like a second film. But yeah. overall, I still understand what he's going for. And I I was entertained and I, I learned something. So, I mean, I, I think he, he achieved that. Yeah, and then that's also what I appreciate. What I appreciated about the film is also what I appreciate about uh, generally what I've seen at Imaginative, you know, in previous years this year is that um, we learn a lot of things about Canadian history or about world history or you know depending on where the film is from. But especially in terms of Canadian history, we learn a lot of things that we were never taught in school. And so there's a part of me that's like appreciative very very grateful to, to the filmmakers and to the festival and to who and everybody who's funding it that you know allows all these films to come together and all these people to come together right um but it also makes me very angry like <laughs> that why didn't i learn this in history class this is this is vital information um that you simply left out and because of some uh, what political agenda Ugh, just frustrating but anyway that's that's a side note um imaginative though is generally you know a really wonderful wonderful festival with a lot of variety you know yeah very so. true that was just a sample of some of the stuff that we've seen recently because due to the pandemic a lot of these festivals have gone virtually gone virtual all at the same time so there's a wealth of stuff to to check out so please listeners go and you know sample a bit of all those festivals because you'll you'll find some interesting stuff yes absolutely i concur and all i have to add is that's it for frame line for this week thanks for listening